notes. I think I could do it without it this morning, but I'm going to trust, uh, trust my notes more than I trust myself. Amen. Well, you know, that's a nightmare for a pastor or a preacher, period. We have dreams. We have, I wouldn't call them dreams. We have nightmares about that. We really do. Getting up in front of people and not having notes. It's very scary. Amen. I'm thankful that I have them. Tell the person again, are you ready? Amen. We know I'm excited as we watch that missions video to be able to tell you guys that when we raise money, we put it where we say we're going to put it. Wasn't that amazing to see what took them seven years we did in six months? And that building is done. They're going to be having a conference, I believe, in October, September, October. Just like we have in our home church, uh, the international one, they have a, a, a one just for Mexico. And I got some pictures yesterday or the day before that where you saw them building on that balcony, where they were at the balcony, they're already adding a section of the balcony because to, to make room for the people that are coming. So God is really moving tremendously. Amen. Well, I want you to uh, tell the person next to you again, are you ready? Actually, I said get right now. It's are you ready? Amen. Are you ready and watching? I want to preach this morning about are you ready and watching. If they'll put that title up. Uh, this is a, a powerful thought this morning. And uh, I want to I just give you some background this morning for those that are watching online. Uh, I'm going to come down here for just a second because this is an exciting thing. How many know that we have a God who is a God that cannot lie? As Pastor Mario was mentioning, and he cannot fail. There's two things God can't do. He can't lie, can't fail. And as we as Christians, I want to give you some, some background here for what we're going to talk about, about getting ready. What are we getting ready for? Does anybody know what we're getting ready for in this place? Can somebody just shout it out if you know maybe you know what we're getting ready for? The return, amen, the return of Jesus Christ. That's the next event. And we're going to talk here for a second. I think this is going to interest you about a wedding. Lots of us in here have had weddings, been to weddings, uh, been in weddings. Uh, there's a wedding coming up in November, even in our church with uh, Joelle and Braden. And uh, that, that we had weddings last year and the year before. And I just got to say, I'm thankful my weddings are over. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Just throwing that in. And uh, now the grandkids are much more fun than paying for weddings. But the wedding is this. Listen, Jewish wedding, the Jewish history is very important to understand the return of Christ. Okay. Now, how many, are, how many Jewish people do I have in here this morning? Is there anybody that's Jewish here this morning? I didn't think I'd get any hands raised. Where are the Gentiles at? Let me see your hand if you're a Gentile. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you must be an alien because you're one or the other. So if you're not a Jew, maybe you didn't know that. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Everybody who's descent of Jewish, the Jewish blood is a, is a Jewish person. And if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile in the Bible. So all of us here this morning are Gentiles. So we, we don't understand sometimes Jewish customs. But how many know it's very important to understand that Jesus was Jewish? Okay? Jesus was Jewish, and he came to a Jewish nation. He came to a Jewish people, and that's why we talked last week about Israel being so important. And so in the rapture and in the return of Jesus Christ, we have to understand something. We are the bride. Okay? I know that sounds a little weird for guys. It's easy for the girls. But we're the bride, okay? The Bible says we are the bride of Christ, and who's the groom? Jesus is the groom, okay? So what the return of Christ is has so much to do with the, with, with the wedding. 
And I want to give you just a few seconds of history here of, a, of customs of a Jewish wedding, and you'll, it'll start to tie in and make sense. So when a man in Jewish custom goes, so we don't celebrate, let me throw this in, we don't celebrate here in our church uh, Jewish customs. We don't do things like they did in the, in the Old Testament, and we don't have all those Jewish customs. When someone gets saved, that is what they call a Messianic Jew, that means that they were Jewish, and they did not believe in the Messiah like all Jewish people, but the gospel was being preached, and we've had in our church here, not in this building, I don't think, but over the years, we've had a guy named Ze'ev Nevo, if you remember him, that I met, who was, who was Jewish and got saved, and now he believes in the Messiah. And so he's what I call doubly blessed. Amen? He's Jewish and believes in Jesus. And so those people are called Messianic Jews, and so sometimes they'll still have the traditions of the old Jewish culture, but we don't celebrate those things, but it is very important for us to understand the Bible, to understand Jewish customs and things that they did in the Old Testament. And so when a man would go to marry a woman, they would do what's called a contract. When they signed this contract, they would say, I want to be married to you. The woman would agree, and they would do a contract, and that's what Jesus did with us when he bought us with his blood. Okay? That's why we're the bride and he's the groom. They do a contract. Now, stay with me on this. This is very interesting. And once they do the contract, they are married, but they don't come together. They're married, but they don't go off to a honeymoon. Here's what happens once they do the contract. They say, we're going to get married, and they say, this is what's going to happen. I agree, you agree. And the groom leaves the bride, and he goes off to a place and prepares a place for her. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And as he goes off to prepare, it can take up to, in real life, can take up to a year before he comes back. And what the, what the bride is supposed to do as soon as that groom leaves is she's supposed to be ready and watching for her groom to, re, to reappear. She is supposed to be preparing herself. She's getting her wedding gown ready. She's getting her makeup on. She's getting all the, She's staying clean. She's not being around other men. She's keeping herself pure from other people. How many following me here? Does this sound familiar to anybody? And as he goes away to prepare a place, does that sound familiar? When the father gives him permission, he comes back to get his bride, but she does not know when he's going to come. And so she has to be ready in the morning. She has to be ready in the afternoon. She has to be ready at night. She has to be ready in the middle of the night. Because when he comes, he comes in the Jewish custom, and he blows a trumpet, announcing that he's coming to get his bride. And the bride has to be ready, and she's supposed to go out and meet him. And that's how a Jewish wedding happens. Now watch this. This is the coolest part. And then they go off together for seven, seven days. Together, seven days. Okay. Now some of you are looking at me like you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but some of you have read your Bibles. And if you're in between, I'm going to help you this morning. Amen? Tell the person next to you again, are you ready? Are you watching? Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Let your, I'm going to leave this verse up for a second because I want to expound on this part for just a second. Jesus' words is to, the, to the church when he was on this earth is let your waist be girded. And I know that word girded can get you sometimes. I know it gets me like loins and girded. But this was their clothes, their tunic. They would wear those long tunics. And when they needed to gird themselves, they would pull it up 
and they would fasten a belt around so that they could move their legs, so they could be prepared, so they could run, so they could work. And that's what he's saying here. In, in our terms, it means this, dressed in readiness. Belt tightened. Okay? And so he says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And as I'm preaching this this morning, if you read your Bible, the every word I'm speaking is going to come alive to you. Lamps is going to mean something to you. Being ready is going to mean something to you. If you don't read your Bible, start reading it. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. I didn't hear anybody say, woe is me, though. Watch this. And it says... And you yourselves be like, verse 36, be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. How many have ever been waiting for somebody to come, or maybe you were supposed to be awake or up, and you slept in? How many have ever gotten the call, and when the call comes in, you're in bed, and you're supposed to be ready, and you go... Hello, 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 hello. Hello. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. That's your I'm awake. I've been awake for hours. I'm ready. What do you need? Voice. Not, oh. Right? How, how, are y'all following me? How about when you're waiting for someone to come get you and they go to knock on the door or you've ever maybe gone to knock on the door and someone opens it as you knock? That's, that's how Jesus wants us to be ready. He wants us to be looking for his return, that when he comes to knock or when he blows that trumpet, we're already ready. We're not in bed. We're not asleep. We're not thinking about other things. We're not busy doing other things. And, and here's what happens if we are. I want you to understand this. There's something special this morning for believers who are ready and watching. Watch what it goes on to say. Blessed. Does anybody like to be blessed? Amen. Pastor Mario was mentioning this. Blessed. In, in health, blessed in everything. Are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find what? Watching. Assuredly, I say to you, he, now this is cool. He will gird himself and have them sit down to eat. Let's leave that up for a second. And will come and serve them. This is the picture of the, what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm talking, I want to talk to you this morning like you've never heard the gospel before, okay? I want to make it easy for you. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ, and now you believe he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and the Bible says he's coming again, and it's what's called the rapture, being snatched out of this earth from danger, because we know danger's on the horizon. How many of you know, everybody know we can see what's happening in our world? And so he's saying, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to have this as the groom, with us being the bride, and I'm going to have this marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're going to eat, church, for seven years, and celebrate for seven. Does anybody in here like to eat? Is there anybody in here that likes to eat? Some of y'all aren't raising your hand, but I can see by looking at you, you like to eat. <laughs> Amen. I, I didn't say anybody particularly. I just know that you weren't born with that. Amen. My dad used to tell me for a bunch of years, he lost like 100 pounds. He used to tell me before he lost all his weight, he said, man, I have a lot of years invested in this thing. Amen. How many like to eat? In heaven during this marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to be able to eat and we're not going to have to count calories. Amen. We're not going to have to worry about, you know, it's kind of funny. We lose everything. We lose our hair. We lose all kinds of things, but we never lose fat. 
right? We, we can't seem to get rid of that. But in heaven, for seven years, we're going to eat. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I see some smiling faces. I like, this is what I like to see this morning. Amen? Let's, let's read on. Watch this. And if he should come in the second what? If we should come in the second sleeping? No, watch. Or in the third? Watch. And find them so. Find them what? Watching. He says, blessed are those servants. Okay, and we're going to get to something at the end that will really, really talk about that more. But know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. See, the return of Christ is going to be like your house being broken into some people. Well, okay, let me move on. Amen. Let me move on. Verse 40. That means you're not going to be ready. Therefore, you also be what? Ready. What? Ready. Ready. I wasn't just saying that to sound good. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. Father, anoint your words this morning, your word, because I am speaking straight from your Bible, straight from your word. Anoint it. Touch hearts and minds and spirits this morning. Allow everyone in this place to come to a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Those that know you already, build their faith, Father. Cause us to be watching and ready when you come. Bless this right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there's people who say in churches even today and around the world, obviously not people who aren't saved because they don't know. So churches, people say, you know what? There's no rapture. There is no rapture. I don't know what Bible they're reading, but they say it. There is no rapture. There is no, uh, that's not even, that word's not even in the Bible. How many know I mentioned that last week? The word rapture is not in the Bible, they say. Well, neither is the word Trinity. Neither is the word Bible. There's a lot of words that aren't in the Bible because this wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. It was written in Hebrew. And so the word Greek for rapture is harpazo, which means this, snatched away from danger. And so there's a time we're living in right now that the church should be preaching more than they've ever preached anything before, and that that is Jesus is coming soon, that Jesus could come right now, that Jesus could have came last night, amen? Jesus can come at any moment, and he's coming for a church that's ready and watching. But all throughout the Bible, or all throughout the world, we have people saying there is no rapture, or there is no catching away, or, or as Pastor Mario mentioned at the at the time of prayer, there are people who think, as Christians, we should suffer. Okay? I, we get that. We understand that. We understand that persecution, as a matter of fact, is greater right now than it's ever been in the history of, of, the, of the gospel. More people are dying martyrs' deaths right now than in the last 2,000 years. But we have to understand we live in what's called the age of grace, and we in the United States live in a country that's under the, God, the grace of God. But persecution is going to fill the whole world. And people have been being persecuted, and they've been in tribulation. But I want you to understand something. There's a humongous difference between tribulation of life and the great tribulation, which is a time that is prophesied in the Bible that's going to come. And so I want everybody in here to understand that as we look at these things in the Bible, some people say, well, that's just something that, that some people even say, that was made up a couple hundred years ago, this whole rapture thing. Where would that come from? Well, I'm going to show you right now in the Bible that it started way back in the book of Genesis. 
all the way back. If you're taking notes, this is going to be a good one to take notes on. I want you to write down seven raptures in the Bible. Seven raptures in the Bible. We're going to start off, though, not in Genesis. We're going to start off from last week's message. How many, I don't have to raise your hand, but you were here, and you remember me ending the message last year, last week of promises and prophecies, talking about the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, which is a futuristic event. And I want to throw this in. I said this in the first service. I think this is going to help some people. I really do. A lot of times when we read prophecies or we read scripture, and we think thousands of years ago, and we think, how is this possible? Or sometimes our minds can't wrap around things. First and foremost, we need to be in the Spirit. Because our flesh doesn't accept things of the Spirit. So first and foremost, you need to be in the Spirit. That's why we pray. That's why we humble ourselves. That's so we can accept the Word of God, because flesh does not accept spiritual things. But as we begin to think about this, the reason that we can have such accuracy, and you're going to see that, I'm just giving you a little groundwork here, in the Bible, is because God isn't making this up as he goes along. God wasn't telling people, write this down, and you know what, I think we should do this, or, or he looked over to the Holy Spirit and said, hey, how about we do this, or Jesus, what about this? It was something he wrote after it had already been done, because listen, the Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. Do you realize that this morning? God has already been. Now this is going to blow your mind. You want your mind to be blown? God's already been to the end. But here's the interesting thing. There is no end. Like really end. That's too deep for you guys. It's too deep for my mind. How many have ever stopped and tried to think about forever? You ever done that? Want to get a headache? Just start thinking for a second about forever. How long is forever? Our minds cannot even go there. God has already been past that and seen everything that will ever happen already done as it is, as it will be. He knows the beginning from the end. And so when he wrote something 2,700 years ago about something 2,700 years in the future, he'd been both places. But not in his mind, there, because he's God. So when we read the Bible, we have to understand that what we, whether we read something in the past or in the future, God's already been there because the Bible tells me he is and always was and always will be. Amen. So going to the book of Revelation, we're seeing something that is the future that was written 2,000 years ago, okay, but could happen any moment. And I finished last week's message by telling you that never before in the history of the world did we have the technology for this, this prophecy to come to pass. The two witnesses, I'm just going to lay this just in case someone's here that's not, wasn't here last week or someone's watching that wasn't here so you don't be totally lost. Two witnesses are going to be on the earth. And they're going to preach the gospel. And they're going to be going around and telling everybody about Jesus. It's all about, Je say it's all about Jesus. And they're going to be preaching the gospel, and the Bible says in Revelation chapter 11, we're going to read this in just a second, that they're going to get killed in broad daylight, in front of everybody, and they're going to die. And this is crazy because the whole world's going to rejoice. 
Have you ever seen somebody die in lion state, what they call it, you know, the capital or some famous person, and, and everybody in the world uh, is watching on TV as that person's lying in what they call lying in state, as a politician or a president or whatever, and then people go walk around them and everything? This is going to be what's going to happen, but it's not going to be for somebody that's a president. It's going to be someone they hate, and they're going to be glad they're dead, and they're going to lie dead for three and a half days, the Bible says. I'm not making this up, by the way. I'm reading the Bible, talking about the Bible. They're going to lie dead for three and a half days, and everyone in the world's going to see them. They're not going to bury them, and they're going to be glad and merry and send gifts to each other. Because they're going to say, these preachers are finally dead. No more Jesus. Isn't it amazing to anybody else that people hate Jesus so much? Does that amaze anybody else? Well, Jesus said that too. You'd be hated for my name's sake. So say this with me. There's something about that name. Has anybody realized that? There's no other name in the world that makes people so mad but Jesus. So Jesus is being preached. They die. They're happy. That's what this we read last week to end. But we're going to start off the seven raptures with the seventh one because they didn't stay dead. T say this to the person next to you. When we die, we don't stay dead. You believe that? Do you believe that? When we die, we don't stay dead. Watch this. Revelation chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Because <clears throat> I kind of just told you all that stuff. Sorry, 11. Now, after the three and a half days, watch this, the breath of life. The breath of life from God. The breath of life from God. Y'all a bunch of deadbeats. The breath of life from God. And you know there's a verse that says if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. Amen? Some of y'all don't understand who's living in you right now. Because you'd be more excited. Amen? And they stood on their feet. Can you imagine what that's going to look like? These dudes have been dead for three and a half days. You know what happens to bodies after three and a half days? What did the Bible say about Lazarus? He stinks. At least he's going to be out in the open, though, so he's going to stink less than the guy that was in the tomb. But they're not going to look pretty, and the Bible says, oh, I don't know if I believe this, the Bible says, and they stood on their feet. They got up from the dead, right in front of the whole world on TV. Hey, come on. Types. Foreshadows. And great fear, yeah, I bet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. Can you imagine? And that's going to be the whole world, by the way. Watch this. And they heard a loud voice. They heard a loud voice from heaven. Watch this. Saying, come up here. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And they ascended to heaven in a cloud. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. This is a picture of the rapture, church. These two witnesses die, and everybody in the world's going to see them go up in the air, raptured into the sky. That's a futuristic event. That's not very far away, I can tell you that. Can I get a better Amen. They did not stay dead. 
So here we see this picture. 7,000, it says, is going to die. Let me just tell you something. You know why it's 7,000? Because God saw it already. See, that's a futuristic event, but God's already been there. And he, if he was 6,976, he would have said 6,976. You don't think God's big on numbers? Read the Bible. There's a whole book on it. Number one. Now we're going to go back to number one. That was the seventh rapture. Not usually do you end with the, with the, with the last one or start with the last but we're going to do that today. Number one, back to Genesis. Tell the person next to you, wake up. Should have drank coffee. Too late now. Amen. If you're watching at home, you're blessed. You get to go grab a cup of coffee. But don't grab it now. Grab it later. Enoch, Genesis chapter 5. All the way back in the very beginning of the Bible, it says Enoch lived how many years? It didn't just say he lived. He lived 65 years and begot. Now, by the way, if you get stuck on the begots and the begats, I don't blame you. Sometimes you get to those and it's hard to read. But how many know if, you were in the, if your name was in the Bible, you'd want to be, be read? Right? Because it's important. And so Enoch lived 65 years and begot. That means he, his wife gave birth to Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, and by the way, you think about names, man. Methuselah. Don't name your kid Methuselah. Amen. Don't do that to your kid. How many know some people just set up to fail when they go to school? But you know what? If we were living in those days, if we had them here with us today from Bible days, they'd be like, Josh? What kind of name is that? And we were making fun of Methuselah. They'd be like, Joe? Peter? You know, it's like, where, where's the rest of the name? But how many know culture's different? Amen. So we, we, may, we have troubles with their names they would have troubles with our names. And after he begot Methuselah, watch this, Enoch walked with God. That's key. Pastor, what do I need to do right, be right with God? Walk with God. When you're walking with God, you're not going to do things you shouldn't do. Walk with God. And it says he walked 300 years, exactly 300 years, and had sons and daughters. How many are thankful that God's a specific God? So he lived a life, he was born, he was begat, and he begot. He lived 365 years, amen. All the days of his life were 365 years, and here we go. And Enoch walked with God, and then he died. That's not what it says? That might, you might read that, and he was not, and that might seem like, well, he just passed away. What does it say happened to him? For God took him. All the way back in Genesis, we see the rapture. All, you, you don't think that God threw that in there on purpose? If you just read and you don't pay attention and you just pass on, and he throws, because what this is called is a type in the Bible. Maybe type doesn't mean anything to you, but I believe I've got some readers in here. If you've ever read and you know what a foreshadow is, i got some teachers in here. A foreshadow is something that you're reading that is giving you a futuristic picture of an event. The Bible in the Old Testament especially is full of foreshadows because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so he says, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Gone. Number two, Moses. Now this is, the, this is the only one of these types, of these seven raptures, where Moses doesn't actually leave the earth. But there is so much in this right here that has to do with the rapture and the return of Christ. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 19. 
Watch this. As we read this, I want you to pay attention. I want you to think about your Bible reading. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people. Now, I need you to extend your hand to me one more time this morning and say, help, pastor. Stay focused. I start reading these things, and I just want to go somewhere else. But, boy, this is a type right here. Moses is a type of Christ. Moses came down from the mountain. The Bible says God came, Jesus came down from heaven and to the people, and he sanctified the people. What did Jesus come to do this for us? Came to die for us and sanctify us. And it says they and he washed their clothes. What did Jesus come to do? Wash away our sins. And he said to the people, what I've been saying since the beginning, be ready. Be ready. For the third day, does that mean anything to anybody? Do not come near your, to your wives. Keep reading. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud. Does that mean anything to anybody? On the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. See, that's what I'm, I'm trying to be your Moses this morning. Me and Pastor Mario are trying to lead you to be ready for Jesus to come back. We're trying to keep you in church, keep you in love with the Lord, keep you from fighting with each other, keep you from being jealous. We're trying to present you like a Moses to God so we can be ready when Jesus comes back. That's why we need a pastor, because we're trying to help you. How many know you're in trouble if you don't have somebody helping you? I need a pastor. I need someone to grab me by the neck and yank me back. And they stood at the, front, at the foot of the mountain. By the way, if you just want a little side note here, just go read what they did when Moses was up on the mountain and you'll see why you need a pastor. That's another story. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord, can somebody shout that next name, that next word? The Lord descended upon it in fire its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly and when the blast of the sounded long and became louder and louder Moses spoke and God answered him by a voice and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went picture of the rapture but it's also that particular verse is also a picture of the second coming of christ now let me help you out here for a second some of you are like what in the world is the rapture what in the that's why i'm preaching this to you but there's a teaching that i believe is very erroneous and people try to group the rapture and the second coming together they try to make it one event i'm trying to show you here this morning in the bible that it is not one event it is two distinct events and here's why. The rapture and the second coming are different because the rapture is taking the church out of the earth to prepare the earth for judgment. That's why we don't want to be here. That's why it goes back to where it, people say, well, we as Christians, this is what some theologians say, we as Christians haven't suffered yet, and so we need to suffer. Let me remind you that we're not saved by our suffering. We're saved by grace. We're not in the suffering age. We're in the grace age. So that means we cannot prove our salvation to God. God doesn't love me anymore because I suffer or I don't. God loves me because I believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins. 
That's salvation. Amen? By putting my faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for my sins. That's salvation. Not me dying for my faith or anything else. Those in the tribulation will have the opportunity to prove themselves. And not only will they have the opportunity, they will have to. So when the rapture happens, that is before the tribulation. Say that with me. Before the tribulation. And if you don't believe that, listen, stay here and go through the tribulation then. That's not God's plan for you. The second kingdom of Christ. So the church, sorry, the rapture is taking us up into heaven, spending seven years with Jesus, symbolic to the seven days. And in that marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to go through the beam of seat. We're going to get rewarded for what we've done. We're going to eat, like I said earlier, with no cholesterol and no calories. Hallelujah. We're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to be married to the, to the groom. and married. The bride and the groom are going to be married in the marriage supper of the Lamb. While all that's going on, hell's breaking loose on the earth. And the church is gone. Because this is the church age is ending. And then the second coming is, see, the rapture is us going up to meet Jesus. And the second coming is Jesus coming back to the earth with the church. Church with him. Okay? Say, I got it. So Moses went up. Number three. Number three, which is really number four. But three, Elijah. Second Kings chapter two. Here's another rapture. And then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly, does that word sound familiar? Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind, where? Into heaven. He was gone. He was so gone that the prophets went to look for him, they couldn't find him. So he was gone, gone. He didn't just, he wasn't like Philip where he was transferred to another place. He was gone into heaven. Now, how many remember when I just mentioned the two witnesses a minute ago? Here's the two people that I believe are the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. Enoch and Elijah. Why Enoch? Some people say Moses, but Moses died. I say Enoch and Elijah because they're the only two people who've never died. Are you all listening to the Bible with me? Those two people didn't die, did they? Doesn't the Bible say in Hebrews 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment? That's how perfect God is. Even the two men who've never died in the history of the Bible are going to die. Oh, that's so good. Man, God, God doesn't miss anything. Oh, that Bible contradicts itself because people don't read it. You know why, people, you know why it contradicts itself? Because you grab a handful of trail mix out and you start grabbing the cashews. You don't grab them walnuts, though, or the pecans. Hello? You can't read the Bible like that. you got to read the whole thing. And you got to take all the Bible and put it together. And then after a while, I know we got some new converts in here. And some of y'all are looking at me cross-eyed right now. But I promise you, the more you read your Bibles, it's going to make sense. And you're going to start to see that God has a purpose and a plan. And the more you read it, it's like, wow, 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 wow. That's amazing. That's, oh, I see what that means. But you got to read your Bible. Put your Facebook down for a stinking few years and pick up the Bible. You know how many friends you got? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Stay focused, Pastor. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Number four, Jesus himself was raptured. Jesus himself was raptured. Acts chapter one. He died, he was buried. He rose from the dead, and lots of people just end right there. That's not all that happened. Why do we believe he died, 
and he was buried, and he rose from the dead, but we don't believe the next part. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they what? Watched. He was what? Does that sound familiar? Does any of this sound to be repetitive? It's because it's the same thing in different places. He was taken up in a cloud. Does that sound familiar? Received him out of there into heaven. Watch the next verse. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went, what? Up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Somebody say, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So as you saw him go up, he will come back down in the rapture. But watch this. He will come back down to get us, and we will go up to meet him in the air. But he will not come down to this earth yet, because that's after the seven-year tribulation. And when he does come down with us as the saints in the book of Revelation, you can read it, we will come down and rule and reign on this earth. Have any of you ever ruled and reigned? If I can't get you excited about going up in the rapture, have any, some of y'all ought to get excited about this. Some of you have all your life wanted to rule and reign something. This is truth. We're going to rule and reign. If God says we're going to rule and reign, we're going to rule and reign. And let me just throw this in there real quick. See, time is short, but I just want to give you some motivation. How you do on this earth, what you do for the Lord, has to do with what you do during the thousand-year reign. So you can pick up trash, or you can rule and reign. Now, some of us are going to be like, I'm good with doing the trash, and that's your problem. So, some of that went right over, but it's still flying around. I'm going to wait for it to come back. It's... There it is. Did you guess that? I'm all, I'm all right picking up trash. That's your problem. You don't have an overcoming, I want to do great things for God mentality. You're just like, I'll just slide in safe. There's the Bible, in the, the verse in the Bible that says that Peter's mentioned it, that some people are going to slide into heaven with smoke on their nalgas, <laughs> on their behind. Smoke. Like they're going to have the fire extinguisher <laughs> when you get into heaven. And some of you are like, I'm good, I'm safe. That's the problem. Okay, stay, stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. Man, this, I'm getting a little more lost in this one than I was in the first service. Number five, Paul the Apostle. Many, many people don't know this. Paul the Apostle was raptured. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now as we read this, he, says, he said this in third person, but he's talking about himself because he was in humility. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know or whether the body, out of the body, he's saying, I don't know if I went physically or if I went spiritually, but I went. God knows, he says, such a one was, what's the word there? Come on, help me. Caught up to the what? Now, if you don't know the Bible, the third heaven is heaven, heaven. Like actual heaven. There's, there's a thing called the heavens, and that's the sky. But the third heaven is actually celestial heaven. And he was caught up to the third heaven. And watch what it says. And I know such a man. Of course he does because it's him. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Watch this. How he was caught up into paradise 
and heard inexpressible words. Now leave this up there for a second because I'm just going to hit something real quick. I'm not saying, I, listen, I, I've heard, read, read books, watched movies, heard stories and testimonies, and I'm not saying that they can't be true. Don't think for a second that I'm negating that. But there's, I don't think there's as many people that have been to heaven and hell as they say they have. Let me just say that. And here's why. I'm not saying it can't happen. No one can take away from your testimony. But there, but there are lots of people who, well, I went to heaven. So I heard someone say the other day they've been to, they go to heaven three times a day. No one in this church, thank God, okay? Because otherwise we'd be, but I'm, I'm being dead serious. I go to heaven three times a day. These are the same people that say the Lord told me to brush my teeth. Come on. The Lord told me to take out the trash. The Lord, I mean, this every other, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. I don't think the Lord talks that much to us individually. I've been, listen, I've been saved 30 years, and I can count on one hand how many times he has talked to me in a way that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that was God. I'm not saying you can't talk a lot. I'm just saying there's a reason why Paul says this. Watch. He says, I saw paradise. I heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So he comes back and says, I can't even tell you what I saw. That's the only reason I'm saying that. So what that means in, in, in simple terms is be careful what you listen to. If you want to know what hell looks like, read the Bible. If you want to know what heaven looks like, read the Bible. And he told us as much as he wanted us to know. I, I'm chasing something here. My, my wife and I bought a little paddle boat. little tiny paddle boat. Just enough for both of us, barely weight-wise, to not sink. Amen. We live near a lake, and so we've, we've been wanting one. If we've been there for two years, haven't got We bought a paddle boat. So we went out there last Sunday or Monday, whatever day it was, and we get back, and there's these little kids from the neighborhood. Can we ride your paddle boat? Can we get on your paddle boat? You know, you know what I'm saying? Annoying. <laughs> Super annoying. And I said, I said, give me $500. And he's like, no, I just want to try it out. I said, you're not going to have anything to look forward to when you get older. You know, so, you know, sometimes we got to have something to look forward to when we get older. You get everything when you're young. You get everything right now. What are you going to look forward to when you get older? God said, I'm not going to tell you everything about heaven. I'm not going to tell you all the inexpressible, amazing things that I've got prepared for you because it hasn't even entered into the heart of man what I've prepared for you. Just wait and watch and be ready and see it when it comes. Do I have any older people in here that know what I'm talking about? I told that kid, I'm 47 years old, and I just got this paddle boat. I ain't never had a paddle boat. You wait. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's another type. Here's number six. Say we. Us. The church. That's a rapture. 1 Thessalonians. I think I read this last week. Now, as I read this, this ought to start to come together a little bit here. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive and remain shall be, come on somebody, caught up together with them in the, to meet him in the, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. And then watch this, therefore comfort one another with these words. Pastor, why do you believe that the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation? Why do I believe this? Watch this. Why do I think that's going to happen? I had a little slight, slight comparison when I got married to my wife. I met my wife in Costa Rica. I was only 19 years old, just like Braden. So I know what it's like. I look at Braden, I'm like, man, I looked good when I was 19. Man, I remember what that was like. And I met my wife. And we got engaged, and then I had to come back to the States, to Arizona, and I had to come and prepare our lives. I had to come start a business. I had to start getting things ready to be her husband, and she had to get stuff ready, you know, paperwork and all that, to come to Costa Rica to marry me. So we have kind of a little bit of a dynamic of understanding of this. But I want you to picture something with me. Why do I believe that the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation? The Bible says the tribulation is seven years of time that has never been seen before and will never be seen again. Okay? Very different than the last 2,000 years. Even as bad as it's been where Christians have suffered persecution. Watch this. They've suffered persecution at the hands of other people who hated Jesus at namesake. But in the tribulation, the suffering is coming from Him. From God. And the Bible actually says that halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to get up in the temple and he's going to say, I'm God. This is why we're not going to be in the tribulation. This is why God is getting us out of the way. And if you want to go read scriptures, you're going to find all through the Bible that every time God is about to judge or bring wrath on his people, on the unpeople, he always gets his people out. Say always. Always. I don't have time to, to tell you all those examples, but Sodom and Gomorrah is one of them. If I find 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. He got all the righteous people out, and bam, the wrath of God came down. He will not pour his wrath out while his church is here. So we're going to be gone. But right in the middle, the Antichrist is going to stand up in that temple, which I can't chase that rabbit either, but the, all the stuff's already ready in the temple, temple warehouse called the Temple Institute to build the temple. It can be built in months. The Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation, after the church is gone and all hell breaks loose and he comes to bring a false peace, is going to have an answer. Everybody's going to put their eyes on him like he's a savior. And at the middle of the tribulation, he is going to walk into that temple that is God's, in God's land, and he's going to say, I'm God. Has anybody ever, I know no one in this church has ever been in a fight, or no, and never had anybody make you mad, or never got to the point where you said, you, what'd you say about my mom? I know no one's ever done that. What? Say one more word. I know, no, I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. Y'all are perfect saints. None of y'all ever fought. But if you did, can you imagine, if we're made in the image of God, what God does when the Antichrist says, I'm God? He says, what? And then the Bible says, wrath. 
mean that loving God? That loving God? I thought he loved everybody. The loving God who's long-suffering and patient and has been waiting for thousands of years to repent of their sins and then gives them three and a half years of some trouble with two witnesses and 144,000 witnesses and miracles and the chance to be saved again by, be, by getting beheaded. That's That long-suffering God gets to a place where he says, listen, I'm tired of this. I can't stand this anymore, and I'm going to pour out my wrath on a world that does not want me. The second part of the tribulation for three and a half years is wrath. And I can't, we can't even un- understand what that wrath is. It's in the Bible. You can read it. But we can't even fathom it. Why am I saying all this? Because I want you to go back to my wife now as my bride. And I want you to say, I'm gonna meet, she's going to meet my parents when she comes to Tucson back in 1993. And I'm going to go pick her up at the airport. And my parents have been waiting to meet her. This is their son's future wife. And I pick her up, and I take her, and I drag her through the mud, and I kick her around, and I beat her up, and I slap her around, and I spit on her, and I, and I, I, just, I, just, I just let everything out on her. And then I pick her up, and I drag her to my mom and dad's doorstep and present her to my parents. Does that sound like something I would do as a groom? That's what would happen if the church goes through the tribulation. Because we're God's, we're Jesus' bride. There's no way he's going to drag us through the tribulation to present us to his father. Because the Bible says he's presenting us to his father. So we're going to be taken out while God brings down his wrath on this world. Tell the person next to you, this is good preaching, but time's up. almost told you is to, I know you're playing soft. Lord, give her strength. I love you. Such a sweet girl. Awesome girl. Therefore, comfort one another with comfort one another with these words. Can you you imagine if we were at the end of the tribulation? We're all half dead if we're alive, bleeding. 100 pound hailstones are falling on us. Hey, hey, the hailstones are coming today. Isn't that comforting? Read your Bibles. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So we don't know when it's going to happen because if we were in the tribulation, it's all planned out. We would know exactly when he's coming back. But the Bible says his return is imminent, meaning at any moment. It could be today. Now, last thing I'm going to give you, and we're going to pray. Watch this, 2 Timothy 4.8. Watch this. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of of righteousness. How many want to get a crown? Okay, one person has to be one smart person. How many want to get a crown? You ladies should especially be raising your hands because you've never had a crown. Like you dressed up as princesses when you never mind. There was crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not only to me. How many would like to be grouped up with Paul? How many like to get what important people get? Paul is going to get this crown and he says not only in myself but to all those who have loved his appearing there's a special crown for those of us who are ready and watching and as soon as that trumpet blows we're ready we wake up every morning we say man God it could be today today could be the day God let today be the day 
today I'm ready to see you. I'm ready to go. I'm go, ready to go be with you. I'm ready to go to the marriage supper. And then, but if not, I'm going to witness. I'm going to work. I'm going to live. I'm going to occupy till he comes. But if you don't come tomorrow, Lord, if you come, today could be the day. And then the next day, today could be the day. And we just keep looking and watching and waiting, watching and waiting, ready and watching, watching and ready till that trumpet sounds. And we're out of here. Father, touch your people this morning. In this place and on the live stream and on the podcast, how many in this place, God would say, Pastor, I'm not ready. God, I'm not ready. I've not been watching. I've been caught up with this world. My eyes have been on other things. My faith is cold this morning. I'm allowing the cares of this world to get to me. I'm allowing the things that I'm seeing in this world to cause me to wonder. Church, the more we see, listen closely, the more we see, the closer we get to the rapture. Because we're going to see a lot of scary things that are going to seem like we're already in the tribulation. But it's just birth pains. It's just birth pains. God's got a perfect plan. He died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the Father to say, go get my children, go get your bride. It could be today. How many of you are ready? If you're not ready this morning, quickly, as your heart is beating fast and the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, say, I'm not ready today. Lift up your hand, say, pray for me. That's me, I'm not ready. I need Jesus, just put it up. And put it right back down. I see your hands. How many more? Quickly. I need Jesus. That's me. I'm not saved this morning. I see your hand. If, if the rapture happened right now, if I died right now, if I met Jesus face to face, I'm not ready. But you can be right now by saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. How many more? Quickly. All over this place. I'm, I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? How many more? How many more? Maybe you're here and you believe. You believe, but maybe you don't believe in the rapture. Maybe you don't believe this message. Well, what part of the Bible are you choosing to believe and what part of the Bible are you not choosing to believe? This is, I've, I've read nothing but scriptures to you. I, I said a few funny things and, and gave some examples in between, but I read nothing but scriptures. Scriptures, verses, Bible, Bible, Bible. This is what God says in His Word. And if He says all these things, He's going to fulfill them. He's a God of promises. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. My last question is, are you ready? If the rapture happened right now, if the trumpet sounded and that earthquake took place, would you go? Or would you be left behind? Is there sin in your life? Is there things that you're holding on to? Do you have idols in your life? Do you have things in your life that you shouldn't have, that you need to lay down? That's what the altar is going to be for this morning. And maybe you're, maybe you're living holy and you love God with all your heart, but you haven't been watching and waiting. I want you to get that crown. I want you to wake up every morning with the mentality, Lord, it could be today. It could be today. If it's today, Lord, I'm ready and I'm watching. I'm not going to be caught off guard because I want that crown of righteousness for watching. As we stand this morning all across this place, Revelations chapter 22, Jesus said these words. He said, surely I come quickly. How many are still here this morning? He says, surely I come quickly. 
Now, just let me do one more thing for you this morning before we pray. Some of you go, oh, come on, Pastor, 2,000 years, we're in 2021. You're, you may have that spirit of scoffing without even knowing it. It says in 2 Peter, many will come scoffing and saying, where is the promise of his return? One verse I didn't read to you last week, I'll give it to you today. That next verse down the road, just a few verses down, says, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So according to the Bible, it's been 2,000 years for us, but for God, it's been two days. What comes after two? That's a pretty symbolic number. Third day. The third day, the third day of the thousand years is going to be the millennial reign. That's how close we are to the return. If you raise your hand this morning and you're not saved, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to step out of your seat. You're, you mean business this morning. You're serious. You want to make sure you're ready. You raised your hand. I want you to step out of your seat to that nearest aisle and come down here. Or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. You need to make a public statement of your faith this morning. Come on, don't wait for somebody else. Just step out and come on down. Come on. You raised your hand. Come on down. We're going to pray for you this morning. Come on, let's give them a big hand as they come. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come this morning. You want to make sure you're ready. When Jesus comes, when that trumpet sounds, I'm going to wait just to, come on, keep clapping just for a moment. I'm going to wait just a moment longer. Are you ready? I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to ask them with sincerity, are you ready? Come on, look at the person next to you. Ask around you. Ask around you. If they're not ready, grab them by the hand and say, let's go. Let's go be ready. I tell you what, church, I promise you, when we get to heaven, you're going to be high-fiving me. I don't say that to boast. You're going to be so thankful that I told you about this. You're going to be so thankful that you're in a church that pre in a fellowship that preaches the rapture. You're not going to be caught off guard. You're going to be ready. You're going to. It's going to be man. It's going to be. We can't even understand how amazing it's going to be. It's going to be. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Before we go offline this morning, I want all of us to say this prayer. And if you, if you needed to say this prayer and you stay in your seat, I don't condemn you, but I do tell you this, you need to get some boldness. Because I always tell people, I mean, some people say, well, I, I believe, but I'm going to pray right here in my seat. If you can't stand up in a church and say, I need Jesus, and be bold and say, I'm, I'm a sinner, how are you ever going to do anything outside these four walls? So that's why we do this. We try to help you make a public confession of your faith. So. You can pray it back there, and God will see your heart. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I know he sees our heart. But this is why we do this, because it gives us an opportunity to be bold. Everybody in this place, say this with me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe every word of your Bible. It's all true. And as your word says, I'm a sinner, and I fall short of your glory. And the wages of my sin is death. But you also say that the gift of God is eternal life. Today I put my faith not in myself, not in my works, not in how good I am, but in what you did on the cross. I believe with all my heart and confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you washed all my sins away with your precious blood. Please forgive me. Let me start new. 
Give me a new life. Today I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we go offline, let's just give the Lord praise this morning. Come on, let's just magnify his name.